podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Spanish Football Podcast. It's me, Alex Kirkland, here with Dr. Sid Lowe. Sid, we're in the Podmobile. We are in the Podmobile. It's quite late at night to be sitting on a Podmobile on a dark street in Madrid. but It is one o'clock in the morning and Sid has just given me a lift home from the Metropolitano where we both watched Real Madrid beat Atletico 2-1 in the derby. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, Sid. Um, first of all, well, I should say we're recording at one o'clock in the morning because you've got a very busy Monday yeah. and it was not going to be possible to, to record there the There was no other way. That's why Kitro isn't here. Yep. Sorry, Kitro fans. Kitro will be I back. I mean, I think he really should have got on a train, come all the way back from Barcelona and been waiting for us <laughs> post-match. Waiting outside my house yeah. at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll run through the results from match day six and then we'll talk about the Madrid derby and, uh, and lots more besides. Um, match day six kicked off on Friday night. Sid was there <laughs> in Valladolid uh, to watch Cadiz. Classic get, match, that. Yeah, Cadiz get a huge 1-0 win. Uh, there on Saturday, uh, Mallorca beat Almeria one nil. Barca beat poor old Elche, bottom of the table. Elche now still without a win, three uh, nil. Uh, Valencia beat Celta by the same scoreline, three nil at Mestalla. And then maybe the game of the weekend, you know, at San Mamés as Athletic beat Rayo three uh, two. A thrilling first half in particular. Um, Sunday uh, saw Osasuna beaten two nil by Hetafe. Hetafe storming El Sadar. Mm. And coming away with the three points. An important result, Villarreal won, Sevilla won. Uh, important but not really satisfying for, for either side. Um, Betis beating Girona 2-1. Betis continuing their, their really quite impressive form. And two goals there for Spain's Borja the Panda Iglesias. Uh, Larreal beat Espanyol 2-1. And then, as I say, at the Metropolitano in the late game, Madrid beat uh, Atletico 2-1 to stay top of the table with six wins out of six so far this season. Um, We're going to start with the Madrid derby and I'd love to start talking about the football, Sid, but unfortunately we cannot start by talking about the football um, because of what happened outside the Metropolitano before the game, a group of Atletico fans being racist, um, chanting, um, uh, calling Vinicius Jr. a monkey. This is, it's infuriating, it's dispiriting, it's depressing, it's, sadly, it's quite predictable. And and it's not, it's nothing new, but that doesn't make it any less unacceptable. And I I don't don't know about you, but when this kind of thing happens, especially in the build-up to a big game, it really, I find it really hard to subsequently just kind of get into the game and enjoy the game because I just find it, it makes me so angry. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's one of those where, in fact, this I think was exactly my response when 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 when, when I think you put it on the on our WhatsApp group. It's just like, you, you sort of immediately just think, oh, for Christ's sake! Uh, as much as anything else, is that that sort of sense of disappointment, that sense of oh, here we go again, that sense of it's not entirely surprising, as you say, and it's not surprising fundamentally because of the the, the week or so that we've had building up to this, and we'll, we'll get onto the context to it in a minute. Now, obviously. The reason why I would say we'll get onto it in, in a minute is because I feel bad even saying, well, let's get into the context because there's a risk that as soon as you start talking about the context, it sounds like you might be saying that there's a reason why this has happened. Yeah. Um, there were these chants saying, Vinicius, uh, you're a monkey. There was the first time he touched the ball in the game. There were lots of whistles. I am uneasy about this because, and even in English, I'm notoriously bad at being able to make out things mm. that fans say. Uh, lyrics, um, 
words to chance, but also noises. But I think the first time he touches a ball, there are some monkey chants mixed in with it. I will say, and again, this isn't to try and say it makes it okay, that I think it doesn't happen again after that. I think there's there's that kind of moment of doing that, and then it goes, he gets whistled a bit. Um, He gets chanted at late in the game when he tries to do what I think the English call a rainbow flick, the Spanish refer to as a lambretta, that thing where you put it between your legs and try and flick it over the defender. And at that point, the fans chant, tonto, tonto, stupid, stupid, which is a chant that gets chanted at any player who either makes a very silly tackle, gets themselves sent off or whatever. Um, That's the kind of the the, the fundamentals. And you're right, that ends up, and I realise this is a cliche. I do realise it's a cliche. But it genuinely does end up kind of overshadowing the rest of it in that you sort of think, oh, we here again. Um, the reason why I say there is a feeling of inevitability about this is, and I, you know, I can't remember if we talked about this on Thursday or Friday. Um, there's been this, and this is one of the things that makes this so sort of difficult to get your mind around or difficult to accept. Um there's been this kind of entirely fictitious, uh, false, fabricated debate built around Vinicius since last week, maybe even a little bit before that, but largely since last week, about the idea that he showboats, about the idea that he's provocative, about the idea that he winds people up. And this has, curiously enough, actually, this has honed in on the idea that it's provocative and disrespectful that he dances after he scores goals. Now, the reason why I say curiously enough is this has come off the back of the game against Mallorca last weekend when there was a confrontation with a few Mallorca players Mm. and words said between him and Javier Aguirre. But that was about him showboating, not about the celebration. And yet that's kind of segued into the conversation being about the celebration. Now, I personally think it's just a completely nonsense debate. Of course, of, of course... He, he's entitled to dance yes. and celebrate ha- however he he wants. I just I'm also he's not the first player to do it. He's not. The, he won't be the last player exactly. to, to do it. I don't really see how anyone can legitimately it, find it's just fault not a thing but, in in those celebrations. But, to but, be but of course, part of the context of this is that, as we've said before, Spain has certain parts of its media that are obsessed with empty, fictitious, and largely fabricated debates. Yeah, um, and in one particular. Program, which basically perhaps the the worst culprits the absolute in that embodiment regard. of that, yeah, the absolute epitome of that. A an agent uh, who's one of the, the, the uh, what would you call it pundits, I suppose, on that show. Pundit is maybe giving too much credit, is, isn't it? But anyway, yeah. he says something along the lines of, "If Vinicius wants to dance, he should go to the Sambadrome in Brazil." Which uh, sort of, sort of it, letting it go. Sort. I of. mean, it's kind of, that's a bit. It's implicitly it's, go it, home. It's at least xenophobic, if not yeah, racist. It, yeah. And he also says, uh, I think, I think the actual phrase is, he's got to stop monkeying around. Yeah. Now, monkeying around. <sighs> Oh God, I'm treading in ground that I'm not even that happy. Well, no, you about. know, you, you you can't, you can't, you don't you use that kind it. of phrase. But I can understand that you you can say. We're, I mean, you could say me and you are just here monkeying around in a car. But of course, as soon as you're talking about a black player, there is that that that. Just don't do it. Exactly. Don't, don't do exactly. it. I know that on sometimes on live TV you can say things that you yeah. And you and regret, and in but... in in de- not defence, but in, to to put this into its context, that. Conta Tuliano, whether you call it in Spanish, a talker, I suppose. Talking head. Or yeah, like. came out and said, I meant this figuratively. I absolutely didn't, didn't mean it like that. And he said, unequivocally, I am sorry. There wasn't an attempt to try and 
mm. not apologise while apologising. Anyway, that clip goes viral in Brazil. It, becomes it has huge. been a very, very... Talking to Brazilian colleagues, yep. it's been a, a massive... Even more so over there a than it... massive big deal. And so you have this fictitious debate that through this comment and through the amount of volume and through the amount of repetition becomes a real mm. thing. And I really do think it's a fictitious debate, by the way. And I really do think that the, the actual debate about his style and his dancing, I think if it has racial undertones, I think they are undertones. I don't think it's explicitly about that. I genuinely, I, I, yeah. I'm very, look, I am never, ever, ever going to judge anyone else's lived experience on this, right? But you, that whole debate around Vinicius and does he provoke and does he wind people up and does he showboat and does he occasionally ask for it when he gets kicked and does he dance when he scores a goal and that's a bit stupid. There's a bit of me that thinks, there's a bit of me, quite a lot of me that quite honestly thinks that's not about colour in my opinion. And the the the, the, the response to, from people in Spain, which was bizarre because almost all the response was people saying, well, let him dance. Mm. And yet they kept going on to say, let him dance. Well, just shut up then. Yeah. Anyway, but I accept that there's a kind of an undercurrent of it. I mean, and, and obviously he clearly feels that's, like, and that's the most which important is really thing, important. Which is why Some I started, of it is about colour. This is why I started by saying, I am no one to judge the experience of mm. someone else. Absolutely not. So Vinicius said this, but then of course what triggers it, I think, is the use of the word monkey. Yeah. Or the monkeying around. Atel Mono was the phrase. That goes viral in Brazil. You get lots of people respond, including Pelé, Neymar, Daniel. Everyone, certainly everyone in Brazil. This is a disgrace. And I think you can see in those responses a belief, an understanding, a feeling amongst those people that this happens in Spain too often and that they feel mm. that racial under, undertone, even if, I'll be honest with you, I didn't appreciate that. And so this creates a backlash. Then you get Vinicius come out and do a statement on, I think it was Friday, but it yes. was Saturday, Friday. Late on Friday. And and it's a it's a really eloquent statement. It's, I think it's, it's quite pretty, powerful. It's and pretty I, I must perfect. admit, at that point, I thought, I didn't think this was about race. But mm. if this leads to you saying something like this that makes people reflect, that makes you think people wonder about the, the kind of the even if it's the unconscious yeah he said that this this dance is kind of an expression of of cultural diversity he talked about other players who who've he done similar Antoine dances Griezmann, by the way because of course the point being this is an atletico madrid player who i'm about to play against yeah um, he's talked about brazilian uh, musical artists black americans and he ended up by saying um accept it respect it and i'm going to keep dancing, i'm going to keep dancing so you get this thing where you get this idea that if those who say he's provocative now think he's still being provocative because he's saying I'm going to carry on doing it. I mean, instead of engaging with what he's saying. But I would genuinely say, I don't know about you, that the immense majority of the commentary about this all week was, let him dance, it doesn't matter. I, I was in the car on... I mean, I put, I put a tweet out about this and I must admit I now feel bad in the sense that that tweet was saying this is absurd and it's funny because it's just not a thing. But I basically said, I'm, I'm enjoying putting the radio on and hearing people spend hours telling us this doesn't matter, but then spending hours doing it. Yeah. So in other words, making it matter. Because the reason I say that is I went to Las Rothas on, I think it was Friday, and I put the radio on in the car, and they were saying, well, let him dance, it doesn't matter. But I spent ages telling us to let him dance, it doesn't matter. I got out of Las Rothas. I couldn't get into Las Rothas, so I had to leave because I was an hour early. So I got back in the car, turned the engine on, and the same points were being made by different people. <laughs> when I went home, I got in the car, and it was the same thing again. Mm. And in each of these things, I think this... Everyone is basically admitting it's not an issue, but let's make it an issue and talk about it. And by the way, we're guilty. I say we're 
the one of the companies that me and you work for, ESPN on Friday night, we talked about this as well. Yeah. Because what happens is when the noise becomes really big, mm. it becomes a real thing. And in particular, when the noise becomes so big that Vinicius responds. Now then Vinicius, I'm not going to say introduces because that's not quite the right word, but I'm trying to think of one. Vinicius frames it around race, or at least, at least partly around race. And he talks about how people have tried to criminalise him for weeks. And that tells you, by the way, that something was building up inside him. Mm. He says that, and so then it really is big because you've had this response from Brazil. The other thing that happens in all of this is that Coque, again, the media trying to create a thing from this, or, or, or at that point having cottoned on to the fact that it's becoming a thing, someone, uh, Coque gets interviewed and he's asked about, well, what do you think the, the Metropolitana will do if Vinicius dances when he scores? Mm. Now, again, this is not necessarily trained on race, but Vinicius clearly believes it's an undercurrent of it. And he gives a fairly... Standard answer. Well, you know, everyone celebrates goals the way they do, and as so long as it's not disrespectful, so so be it. He gets pushed, mm. and essentially gets pushed to say, "But, but, but, you know, it'll, it'll be trouble if it." He said, "Oh, there'll be a Leo for sure." Now, Leo is a difficult word, a bit of a mess, a bit of a fuss, a bit, a yeah. bit of trouble. It's not really. It's going to kick off, but he's sort of saying that, and of course, this becomes Koke seemingly either. Or Koke saying, if Vinicius dances, there'll be trouble. Exactly. And also, it comes almost like a veiled threat. Well, you try it, Sunshine. And Koke should should know better and be smarter, really. Now, I feel for him because he's been corralled into it a little bit. Yeah, but also, like, he's Atletico's captain. He's done a hell of a lot of interviews. He knows. He he knows. Anyway, so this whole thing becomes absolutely huge. It was really... I mean, it was sort of funny in in a way that now doesn't feel funny, right? And that's the thing. I, 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 I... I'm being completely honest with you. My feeling about it now is not the same as it was two days ago because I've seen where it's ended up. Yeah. Right? You get this press conference with Carlo Ancelotti on Saturday in which more than half the questions are about Vinicius. And Ancelotti clearly thinks there's no issue. Yes, he seemed honestly a little bit bemused. One one of the questions. He says, I don't think there's a problem. Someone said, What's the issue with Vinicius? Someone said, There isn't one. Everything that's happening with Vinicius. And he said, I I don't know what's. Nothing's really happening. happening with and then he's asked explicitly Vinicius. about racism. And he said, well, we're not talking about it. Vinicius has said his statement. That's fine. And we get mm. on with it. Now, we then get to this situation today. Now, me and you were talking about this as we come out of the ground. One of the things that... It's very difficult to say this whole stupidness created this, but it sort of did. Right Now, what created it, of course, is people who believe that it's okay to, to chant racistly. But it creates this, this context in which... And this is the, one of the really depressing things about it. There is, this is a kind of an, a go, having a go at Vinicius for having had a go at them. And the tragic and really sad and really depressing thing is this idea that somehow, therefore, it's okay to have a go at you for being black because of what you've been saying. And it, yeah, I mean, I think the problem, uh, well, there are a number of problems here, but in terms of what happened before the game at the Metropolitano tonight, the problem really is that there has been a permissive yes, attitude around exactly. Atletico Madrid with these groups yes. of fans and expressing these kinds of racist ideas. And obviously they these individuals feel comfortable doing this kind of thing and expressing well, this kind of thing, and knowing today, that there's no, the there's no comeback. Today, by the way, they would have gone even further. They would not just have felt comfortable, but some of them would have felt justified because they, yeah. this so guy's wound us up. This is, our, this is our attack. I was telling you this as we were leaving the stadium. Obviously, I've been here for a very long time and I was very, very much in the middle of, I think, probably the two biggest race-related stories in Spain. One was the, 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 the basketball thing and, and mm. the other was when the Spain fans uh, monkey-chanted basically all of England's black players when yeah. England played against Spain at the Bernabeu I think in 2005 
five, I guess, I can't remember exactly when. But what was I saying to you when we came out of the ground is I've, a similar process happened then that happened now. At that time, there was this sense that the British media was attacking Lewis Aragonés because it had happened after he mm. made that comment to Reyes. And if you like, their backlash against that was to have a go at the black players as if it was their fault for having done this. And yeah. what I saw tonight was, was a very similar sort of process. And as I say, the tragic thing being, well, one of the many tragic things being that, oh, so now it's kind of okay to say, well, it's your fault. It's, yeah, and then I mean... provoking this because... And, and obviously, as I say, the, the, the reaction then wouldn't have been the same had it not had all the build-up. The reaction tonight would not have been the same had it not been for all the build-up. But of course, that is... Within the context, as you say, of a permissiveness of an of an underlying attitude, yeah, but also ignorance and exactly. Yeah. Um, Courtois tonight was very very interesting. By the way, on this, I asked him after the game, and, and he talked about education. He said, and he actually used the phrase. He said, "I think some people don't even realise what they're saying. They're, it's just so stupid." I mean, I mean, yes, well, in the, but in this specific case, they know. Yes, no, 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 this no, no. So, but, but, but what I mean, but the, this idea, yeah, they know exactly people, what they're and saying. And he he I mean. made this point, Courtois. He said, "Look, you know." you hear things in the ground and it's parents with kids. He said, if my kids go to a ground and say one thing like that, they are grounded. Yeah. And they're not going out and they're not going back to the football. And, you know, um, I, I don't have an answer, by the way. I, no, I, I well, apologise and I feel like I've gone around in circles. Um, and, and, and one, of, as I say, one of the pressing things from my point of view, and this is another sort of important-ish point to make, and it's been implicit in what I've just been saying, but I want to say it explicitly. One of the pressing things for me is that this was sort of created by the media. And that sense of irresponsibility about our own role is, mm. is really quite depressing as well. Well, as we say, all of that um, cast a bit of a shadow over this Madrid derby, to be honest. We do have to talk about the footballers as well. This was a game that I thought Atleti actually started quite well. They were very good indeed. Um, but Madrid were absolutely ruthless. Well, it's Real Madrid. It's... it's it, 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 I mean, look, one of the reasons why this happens with Real Madrid is because they've learned that it can, you know. I remember writing after the Champions League final and trying to make sense of their incredible Champions League run. And I'm not, by the way, trying to make this sound the same as the Champions League run because it wasn't that absurd, right? But that one of the things about Madrid, you can talk about luck, you can talk about, you know, sacrifice, you can talk about comeback, but there's a bit of me that thinks there's implicitly a kind of humility about Real Madrid that says we've got all these bloody brilliant players, but we accept that there will be periods when we're not on top. And we know that. Mm. And so we don't panic when that happens. Or we don't think, God, this has gone wrong. Because we accept that there are other good teams out there. And today, they were under the cosh for what? Was it, when did they score? 17, 18 minutes, something like that? That's not very long. Minute, That's not yeah. very long. But, but Atleti could have had three by Well, maybe not three. But they did well, three they, semi-good yes. chances. Yeah, they'd had three decent chances. And, and, then, and then one extraordinary pass. A brilliant finish from Rodrigo. What, what a goal, honestly. Chuameni and Rodrigo. It, it's a one-two, isn't it? Rodrigo yeah. gets it, gives it to Chuameni. He sort of... And it's sort of bent over, it the, over top, the top, isn't it? It's sort of a dinky, benty thing. A and, bit like a messy pass. That messy pass mm. to Alba, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? And then Rodrigo's finish. We've seen him finish a few chances mm. like this. It reminded me a bit of the Champions League yes. last season. Yeah. He is so good at these first-time finishes. He's, he's technically... he's. I think technically he's better than Vinicius. Yeah. You know, the two Brazilians that everyone gets very excited about, they're very different. Mm. Um, I mean, some shared qualities, obviously, they're prepared to run at people. They're both quite quick. Um, they're both very skillful. But but I think I think he has something, there's a smoothness about him more than with Vinicius, I think. Do you know what? I, I think it's crept up on us a little bit. And of course, partly this is helped by the fact that Benzema is out injured. But all of a sudden, it feels to me like Vinicius, Rodrigo, Valverde, like this is... Real Madrid yes. now. I know that Modric and Cross are, are still there, and like I say, Benzema will will come back. But this feeling 
of a new mm. kind of team or a new focus well, or a changing course, of the guard. It feels like it's we're, we're, we're it's there now. Like it's happening. Yeah. And you can, of course, add Shoemeni to that. And you can certainly add Kamavinga, who I think played a big role last year. We actually talked about this a lot last year, that idea of when the transitions happen and you can't always define them and that's one of the you can't always choose them it's one of the reasons of course why it didn't work out for Odegaard he was the right signing in many ways or maybe not at 16 but but certainly by the time he was back at the club he was sort of the right player but then of course Modric very stubbornly refused to refused to go away insisted on getting better he's 37 Modric and actually two years ago there was a period when I thought he was on the way down and and actually that was post even post um, uh, post uh, Odegaard but this 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 kind of transition last year happened in the best way in that the old guard were there, but actually when they really needed them, the young players were the ones who saw them through some of those key Champions League nights, mm. particularly Camavinga. And it does feel like now it can happen a bit more naturally. Mm. And it does feel like it's accelerated a little bit. The departure of Casemiro, I think is part of it. And I said to you in the summer, remember I said one of the three midfielders will go, but to be fair, I did say I thought it was yes, going to be Tony Cruz. You did. You did. Um, Diego Simeone, uh, very interesting, his praise of Real Madrid uh, in the post-match presser. Um, he was saying, I love to see, I love to see a team like this sitting deep, defending well and being clinical on the counter-attack. He said it reminded me of us with Diego Costa yeah. back in the days and we used to get criticised for it. He's not entirely wrong. Obviously, the point he's trying to make is exactly that. You used to have a go at me. Yeah. How about this lot? And Madrid have done a lot of that. For a team with lots of great players, they've done a lot of that, but not to the extent that Simeone's team did. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, once they got the first goal, <coughs> the game already shifted a little bit. When they got the second, that was it. It felt like the game was over until that last... Until the last five minutes. Five, ten minutes. After, a slightly fluky goal. After Mario Mosso's extraordinary cameo, which involves scoring a goal off his sort of shoulder, I think. It's and his back, then, isn't it? I think he's t- turning. And then he getting, um, getting involved in oh, a I needless... I haven't seen the sending off. Apparently it's really, well, really Well, so, so there, are, there are two incidents. There's, there's, first of all, him squaring up needlessly to Danny Carvajal. Right. Um, just at a time when that's the last thing that Atleti need because they're chasing the, yep. the game. And then there's the, the incident with, with Ceballos, which wasn't really anything um Ceballos goes down as if he's sort of been headbutted and he he yeah. wasn't um, he was furious in the tunnel by the way because the reason I couldn't see it was because I had to go to the interview area early on and in the tunnel <laughs> in the tunnel obviously he was just waiting in the tunnel for the game to end and he was uh, shouting and kicking the balls and stuff yeah. um so Madrid um 18 points um from six games top of the table Atletico are eight points behind them already and it's not an eight points you think, oh, we've got time to catch up. It's an eight points where you look at it and think, that'll be 12 in the next three or four weeks. Mm. Or 13 or whatever. But the point is, I think it will, it will probably expand mm. rather than contract. Let's discuss some of the weekend's other games. I mentioned, Sid, that on Friday you headed to mm. Valladolid, of course, um, to see Cadiz win 1-0. Negredo with a 92nd minute winner for, for Cadiz. They were awful, Cadiz. I mean, this is their first goal of the season. I mean, I've got to say, it didn't. Yeah, they they, they did not do anything to win this game. They really didn't. Um, I think the shot count was sixteen-one uh, at the end of the game. Vidalith, I won't say Vidalith were a great side because they're they're not. And I actually think they they, they despite Weissman, you know, occasionally scoring goals, I don't think they have very much at the top of the pitch. But they they go for it. They create chances. They're bold. They 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 they're quite attacking. And and the fact that they lost this game is 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 pretty baffling. Yeah. Second in the table are Barcelona, two points behind uh, Madrid. They beat Elche 3-0 on Saturday. They were helped by the fact that Gonzalo Verdú got himself sent off yes. 
in the 14th minute, opted to to pull down Lewandowski, who was through on goal. I know these are split-second decisions, but I, I would question that... I think if you're in that situation and you're Verdue, I think your, your team is better off having 11 players on the pitch and letting him go. Maybe he scores. Probably he does score, but maybe he doesn't. Yeah. But As you say, um, I think it's just the speed of that year. Oh, God. And I think it's yeah. as much... You know what? I think almost more than the speed, it's the panic. It's the, there's Lewandowski, there's the goal. Better stop yeah. it. Uh, well, maybe rightly so, because Lewandowski has eight goals, <laughs> eight goals from six games. He's very good, so isn't far. he? It turns out he's really good at scoring <laughs> goals. He's a, Guys. he's a right good striker. Um, at full time, by the way, average age of the Barcelona team, 21.5 years. Was it? Incredible. Um, I also wanted to mention um, Memphis's goal, which I thought was Brilliant. lovely. I thought he, it was offside, by the way. A couple of these decisions were very, very tight. Um, Memphis, I think, is one of the absolute best players at doing exactly what he did for this yes. goal, which is receiving the ball, backing into the defender, shifting one way, and then going the other way. Do you know what it is? To, to use, to use kind of look at it from a basketball point of view, it's posting up on someone and rolling them, isn't it? It's back into them, feel the weight of them, and then using the fact that they're there to get rid of them, basically. Yeah. And if that player wasn't behind you, you wouldn't be able to do that. It's actually them that, that sort of gives you, if you like, the, the thing to roll around. Yeah. You're going to write uh, your column, I think, this week. About yeah, I mean, I won't decide first thing in the morning, but, but, but you're my planning intention to write is to athletic. write about athletics because it was a uh, lovely game. As we said, and... it was probably the most enjoyable game of the, um, of the weekend in, in many ways. Both Williams brothers on the score sheet. For the first time ever. Yeah. Um, I love them both. Uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. And against a team like Rio, it was even more fun because, of course, um, not so much Nico. And Nico's, Nico's different to Iñaki, but Iñaki is all about... Incredible speed and being very vertical, as the Spanish phrase has it, you know, very direct, really running at you. And actually, to be honest, quite often they're missing his chances. Mm. But when you get against a team like Rio, who open up and allow that space to run into, it was so much fun because the game was kind of wild. Yeah. And, and it was like boom, boom, boom. And it, it was just a, a, these, are, these are two, I mean, you know, we've talked about Valverde many times, largely when he was at Barcelona more than when he was at Athletic. And Donny Eduardo is also a coach that I think we need to talk about. Because his team is a lot of fun, and a Rio team shouldn't be as bold as them. That sort of organised chaos that they mm. play with, very direct. They make games worth worth watching. Um, I suspect he will end up being as being the Athletic club manager at some point in the not too distant future. Athletic are fourth. Yeah, um, amazing. Really, what isn't it? do you think is their ceiling? I, to be honest with you, I think they're way above it, mm. I, and I am surprised by this. I thought they might actually struggle a little bit this year. Um, I think the arrival. Um, the arrival it's not really the arrival because he was playing last year but but Nico's kind of consistency of performance and the, the sense that he's actually arrived in the team permanently now I think is really important Sunset I think is a very nice player um, they, they, they they're better mostly than not this time but better mostly away from home than, than at home but but I I think they look really good let's see also what kind of role Ander Herrera plays if if indeed he plays a very big role we, we all mm. assume that he walks straight into the team but but maybe he won't a word also about Villarreal 1, uh, Sevilla 1. Like I said, a result that doesn't really do much mm. for either. Some encouraging it signs might from... keep Lopetegui's job. From Sevilla and Isco looking... Isco looked very, very good. One of the things I wonder about Isco um, playing well is what does it mean for Papu Gomez? Because you can't really have two players playing similar-ish roles. Yeah. And Isco does look very good. He looks, he looks slightly slimmer. He looks mobile. He is taking huge amount of responsibility for the ball, dropping deeper to find it, trying to get others playing. And I think actually that's been my favourite performances from him at Real Madrid. While I recognise that he's fundamentally a number 10 who wants to be really close to the area, some of those games and, and the 
one that really stands out to me is always, and I've mentioned it before, Milan in the Champions League final. His extra time in Milan in the Champions League is extraordinary in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. Like, Give me the ball, hold it, keep it, let's play. Um, he played pretty well in this. He looks pretty fit, but I think he's he's largely on his own. Defensively, I worry about them a lot. They played today with, um, funnily enough, with... Um, Gudel at centre back, and then Nianzu came on and played in midfield, and they, mm. they conceded a really bad goal in terms of the, the fact that Coquelin was allowed to run right through the middle, and then they real, then they swapped those two over, which I think was the right thing to do. But I, I worry about Fernando as well, who's been vitally important to them. He looks old now. He looks slow, and I don't know if it's physical and it's a temporary thing or if it is his age. I believe he's thirty four, maybe thirty five now. Um, and I think there are some flaws there. And the way they sort of fell apart a little bit in the second half, I think would be would be worrying because it looked like a physical thing. Also, by the way, though, the, the quality that Villarreal have in depth. The, the guys they brought on today, Danjuma, Morales, um, who else did they bring on? Chukwesi, I think, or did um, he start? No, Jeremy came on Jeremy, and Mojica came and on Mojica. as well. And it's the, the strength and depth. And this is for a club that's got Gerard Moreno out injured at the moment. Alberto Moreno out injured. And Baena as well. You didn't Baena came yeah. on, who, was, who scored again, is, 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 um, is, is really, really good. I, I think they are, without doubt for me, the strongest team for third place. We didn't mention that um, Luis Enrique's latest Spain squad was announced on, on mm. Friday. Um, Borja Iglesias got a call up. And scored twice And today. he celebrated by, by scoring twice yeah. for, for Betis. He's, he's been playing very well for a long time. I actually think it's taken a little bit, maybe a little bit too long for him to get in the Spain squad. One of the things I've said before, and I'll say again, it was fascinating listening to Luis Enrique on Friday. As I mentioned before, I was at Las Rothas, it was because of that. He spoke for about an hour. Analytically, he's brilliant to listen to. And everything he says makes sense. Even if you don't agree with him, and for example, I radically disagree with him over the absence of Iago Aspas from the Spain squad. Everything he says is rational. And he explains something which, without mentioning Aspas, I think was all about Aspas. In terms of you have some players who stand out of their clubs because the team plays for them. They don't have to defend. The ball goes yeah. to them. You come to the national team squad and you can't do that. And I actually think that that was about Aspas. Mm. Uh, in the Segunda, um, standout results from this weekend. Uh, Levante beaten at home 1-0 by Cartagena. Oviedo oh, God, beaten that. at home 1-0 by, uh, by Ibiza. They're rubbish. Yeah. Um, Granada beats Mirandez 2-1. Um, Alaves beat Wesker 2-1. It's Alaves top, think, who it? are top yeah. on 14 points. Behind them, it's Las Palmas, Granada and Cartagena all on 12 points. And then you've got, I Cartagena think, five teams there, on, is extraordinary. on 10 points. Um, but yeah, Oviedo are rubbish, Sid, down mm. in 14th place. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's not the Oviedo position. They really no, should they be should two be points like two outside points the, playoffs, the playoffs. But, yeah. but there we are. That's all for today's TSFP. It is uh, 1.30 in the morning, Sid. <laughs> we should probably get home to, to bed. Lots coming up this week, as always, for patrons over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. We will have a Q&A pod out for patrons on Tuesday. Uh, we'll have a bonus pod with more on Spain uh, and the international break coming out on Thursday. If you haven't checked it out or, already... We just launched our latest series of TSFP Presents, where we take a look at the history and culture of Spanish football. Our new TSFP Presents series is Top 5, Top Sid. Top 5s. And we picked our top five hat-tricks in La Liga history. Yeah. It was there, good, are wasn't some, it? there are some amazing, amazing hat-tricks in there. Yeah, and lots more um, Top 5s to, to come. So join us for that over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. If not, don't worry. We'll be back next week with the Spanish Football Podcast. Bye-bye for now. Cheerio.
Smartcast Network.